Welcome back. It's me, the Susan Anime, and you are listening to Sloth Under the Sea with me. And we will be talking about movies, TV shows, books, fun holidays, everything from other countries to does this still hold up to this day? From, like, rub brats to, like, as told by Ginger, to Movie Monday, to True Creepy Things Tuesday, to whatever I feel like talking about because this is my podcast. And I hope you all will stay and listen to me and have some good old-fashioned podcast fun. And we'll try to stay as calm as we can. But let's get into it and let's all have some fun listening. And you can also see me sometimes on YouTube doing my podcast as well. Okay, here we go. podcast is for kids, so ask a parent, guardian, before watching, buying, or doing anything, or listening to a podcast. It may or may not like the podcast contenter content, so always ask permission before you do something. But I would say, I hope you all like my podcast, enjoy the things I talk about. On the one podcast, I talk about animals and mythical creatures. On the other, I talk about like Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Dumbo, Disney, Easter eggs, stuff like that. So I do have like two, I do two characters that have podcasts. One's like a mermaid hybrid. She's like a fairy mermaid creature. And the other's like a person who likes boy and girl things and talks about them, like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, um, Dragon Ball Z if you want. So check it out. Enjoy. This is a kid disclaimer. This is made for kids. Always ask a parent, guardian, or someone who is in charge of you before watching, buying, listening to, or doing anything in my podcast, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I also hope you all have a wonderful day and enjoy some of these 
videos and podcasts and to say things that I do. And remember, don't always do stuff you see at home. You should be cautious and make sure it's the right thing for you. And make sure your parents are okay with it or your guardian. I also hope you all have a wonderful, great day, afternoon, and night. And I hope every kid out there is enjoying their free time. And have a great, wonderful day and enjoy my Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon I know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now and welcome back. I am your host, Anna May. And today we're going to be talking about a little bit of women in science, 50 fearless pioneers who changed the world. And a little bit about the very short, entirely real history of unicorns. It's kind of a little fun thing. How does this work? Why did this happen? What is this? Where did this come from? How can I help? I have an idea. Okay. Nothing says trouble like a woman in pants. That was the attitude in the 1930s anyway, when Barbara McClantic wore slacks at the University of Missouri. It was considered scandalous. Even worse, she was fierce direct, incredibly smart, and twice as sharp as most of her male colleagues. She did things her way to get the best results, even if it meant working late with her students who were breaking curfew. If you think this seems like good qualities for a scientist, then you'd be right, but back then there weren't necessarily considered good qualities in a woman. Her intelligence her self-confidence, her willingness to break rules, and of course, her pants were all considered shocking. Were all considered shocking. Barbara had already made her mark on the field of genetics with her groundbreaking work at Cornell University, mapping chromosomes using corn. This work is still important in scientific history, yet while working at the University of Missouri, Barbara was seen as bold and unladylike. The faculty, the faculty, the faculty, 
excluded her from meetings and gave her little support with her research when she found out that they would fire her if she got married and there was no problem of promotion possibility of promotion she decided she had had enough risking her entire career she packed her bags with no plan except an unwillingness to compromise her worth barbara went off to find her dream job this description would allow her to choose Fully research all day and eventually make the discovery of jumping jeans. This discovery would win her a Nobel Prize and forever change how we view genetics. Barbara McCockley's story is not quite unique. As long as humanity has asked questions about our world, men and women have looked to the stars, under rocks, and through microscopes to find answers. Although both men and women have the same thirst for knowledge, women have not always been given the same opportunities to explore the answers. In the past, restrictions on women's access to education were not uncommon. Women were often not allowed to publish scientific papers. Women were expected to grow up to exclusively become wives and mothers, while their husbands provided for them. Many people thought women or just not as smart as men. Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okie dokie, artichokey. Ah, break it's now. Let's continue with some interesting facts. Okay. Many people thought women were just not as smart as men. The women in the books had to fight these stereotypes to have the careers they wanted. They broke rules, published under synonyms of other names and worked for the love of learning alone when others doubted their ability they had to believe in themselves when women finally gaining wider access to higher education there was usually a catch often they would be given no space to work no funding and no recognition not allowing to enter the university building because of her gender leas married martin Meredith did her rheologist experiment in a dark basement without funding for a lab. Physics and chemistry, Marie Crew handled dangerous radioactive elements in a tiny dusty shed. After making one of the most important discoveries in the history of astronomy, Cecily Pan Gostin 
still got recognition, and for decades her gender limited her to work as a technical assistant. Creatively presented and a love of discovery were the greatest tools these women had. Marie Cruz is now a household name, but throughout history there have been many other great and important women in the field of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. STEM. Many did not recognize, receive the recognition they deserved at the time and were forgotten. When thinking of psychics, we should name not only Albert Einstein, but also the generous mathematic enemy Emma Northern Stretch Northern, who should all know that was Rosalind Franklin, who discovered the double helix structure of DNA, not James Watson and Francis Creek. While admiring the venture in computer technology, let us remember not only Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, but also Grace Hopper, the creator of modern programming. Throughout history, many women have risked everything in the name of science. This book will tell us the stories of these scientists, from ancient Greeks to the modern day, who, in the face of no, said, try and stop me. And the first person in here is Hepatite, one of the first record women to study and teach math. An expert in philosophy, astronomy, and mathematics had become a symbol for El English El Enlightenment and feminism. Enlightenment in speech, artistically and locally, in her action, pardon, and published. Spirit, the city gave her suitable welcome and accorded her special request. The side looks up. Okay. Hepatite, astronomist, mathematician, and philosopher. Her father was one of the last members of the Library of Alexandria. Invented a new version of the hydrometer. She is described in Ralph's famous painting, The School of Athenus, known as the Egyptian Wise Woman. The Library of Alexandria enrolled wars and revolt. It was destroyed in 391 CE when the Roman Empire outlawed paganism. Worked with her father on the theories about the solar system, made public speeches about Pluto and Australia. Throughout history, there have been many female teachers and scholars, and Hepatite was one of the earliest record female mathematicians. Her accomplishment in life inspired many, but her death turned her into a legend. Scholars have narrowed down Hepatite's birth to somewhere between 350 and 370 CE in Alexandria, Egypt. Her father, Theo, was a well-known scholar. He made sure that she grew up well-educated and with a deep respect for the Greek heritage and values, instilling in her a 
commitment to uphold those values no matter the cost. The city of Alexander, known for its great library, was seen as a place of learning, but was also a place where religious tensions between pagans, Jews, and Christians were turned violent. This made it dangerous for Hepatite and her father to practice their Greek traditions, but it was important to them to do so. Her father instructed her in mathematics and astronomy, and she became an expert in both. Soon she began to surpass her father in her mathematical studies and made important century on his work while also making her own contributions to geometry and number theory. Along with her scientific work, Hepatite was an expert in policy and philosophy. She became one of Alexander's first female teachers. People traveled from faraway lands to hear her speak. She taught Neapolitan philosophy and her male students gave her respect and loyalty, but this would soon to come to an end. Eventually, her pagan teachings made her a target. The brewing religion tensions in the area turned violent. She was killed around 415 CE by a mob of extreme Christians. Although her death was a tragedy, her life became a symbol for education in the face of ignorance. We now remember Hepatite as a source of light and acknowledgement. She seems very interesting and very cool. Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break class sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokie, Artichokey. Ah, break it's now. Okay, let's talk about the history of unicorns. Okay, the ideal unicorn. Imagine a unicorn. Most likely your unicorn is white with a flowing mane and a spiraling horn pointing from its forehead. It looks more or less like a horse. Perhaps its hair is streaked with bright colors or a rainbow is streaming across the sky behind it. Your unicorn probably doesn't have a tail curled like a wild pig or a board like a goat. It's probably not fighting an elephant. It probably doesn't live along the board of the United States and Canada. But those are all actual ideas that people have about unicorns at one time or another. If you search the whole wide world, it would be impossible to find a magical one horse, horse. Unicorns, as we imagine them now, aren't real. But show anyone a picture of a unicorn and they'll know exactly what it is. 
People have been talking and thinking about unicorns for thousands of years. This is the very real history of why we once believed these mythical creatures existed and how they evolved into the beloved mystic fantasy animal of today. Who would believe in a horse with a horn? More than 2,300 years ago, there was a Greek doctor who lived in Prisa and named Sisa. He actually was a little bit obsessed with Prisa, the empire most closely associated with modern-day iron. He spent almost two decades there and eventually wrote a long history be 23 books and all just about Prisa. To the east of P-E-R-S-I-A, Europe was India, which I want to say his name is Caesar, but I don't think that's right. Tiza, Ziza? known less about. Still, he managed to write an entire book about this faraway place, too, in which he reported the experience of a fantastic one-horned wild, I am not saying that word, um, animal. is another word for donkey. Yeah, it's a donkey. It is defined as a hoofed mammal of the horse family with a bearing call. Uh, ceases? Teases had a pretty clear idea of what these wild creatures looked like. Their bodies are white, their heads dark red, and their eyes dark blue, he wrote. They have one horn on the forehead, which is about a foot and a half in length. That horn, according to, I'm calling him C, was pure white at the bottom, black in the middle, and crimson red at its tip. The animal was exceedingly swift and powerful, and it was fierce. No other creature would turn, could outrun it, and could not be caught alive. C had never seen the wild donkey with a horn, but he wrote about other imaginary animals in his book, too. These include the manticorn, which has a human face and a lion's spine, and a monkey with six feet, long tail. He also described the elf, which was unknown in Europe, at the time, but very real in Prisa. So for sea unicorns were as real as elephants. The unicorn evolves. After sea, other Greek and Roman writers kept describing a swift one-horned animal as if it were real. Many of their accounts were based on sea's original description, but every wrote added slightly different details. A unicorn described in the first century AD had the body of a horse and the head of a sag, the feet of an elephant, the tail of a boar, and a three-foot-long black horn. Two hundred years later, the unicorn had a reddish coat, and its horn was described as being four feet long and spiral. A book called Physiolosis had a different idea. It said the unicorn was small like a goat, a Greek traveler named Cosmo in Comploso wrote the unicorn used his horn to break their fall when they jumped off cliffs by the 12th 1200s. Some writers thought the unicorn horn was 10 feet long. A few hundred years after that, other uh, one traveler had shrunk the unicorn horn back to 3 feet, but this unicorn had webbed feet and lived on fish. They didn't use the word unicorn, but still these writers all thought they were talking about the same one-horned animal. 
Some qualities appeared in every description. The unicorn was fierce, it was shy, and it was hard to catch. One horn, many names. Different languages have different words for unicorn, but usually they follow a simple formula. They combine the word for one or only with the word of horn. In Latin, unus means one and corna means horn. That's where the unicorn comes from. Across Europe, languages related to Latin use similar words. An Italian unicorn is a unicornin. A Spanish unicorn is a suricornin, and a French unicorn is a lorcornin. If I'm saying this wrong, I'm so sorry. In Greek, monos means only or single, and crane means horn. A unicorn is a monocorse. German follows the same formula. En one plus horn, e a horn. The Dutch speak of the e a neo horn. In Old Norse, a unicorn is Eohorger, so Norway says Eohorgen, and Iceland says Eohorja. Pieces, it, or it didn't happen. Picks, or it didn't happen. The Greek traveler C.I. drew one of the first pictures of a unicorn around the year 545. He had been traveling in a place he called Etopia, a large area located near India. Not the modern African country of Utopia. His image he wrote was inspired by four bronzer figures he saw at the palace of an empire he met on his journey. The original illustration disappeared long ago, but when other people made copies of C.I.'s travel journal, he also copied his drawing. The oldest copy that still exists is a manuscript from about a thousand years ago. This isn't even the earliest picture of art to represent a unicorn though. One of the earliest images of a one-horned creature is a sculpture from about 2,800 years ago. It's a small bronze statue that was made in Parasite for a four-legged horse-like creature with a large horn sprouting from its forehead. It looked a lot like a unicorn and it may be the short of a statue that inspired CM's drawings. It looks terrifying. <laughs> Internationally unicorns. Humans around the world, not just Europeans, have been telling stories about unicorn-like creatures for thousands of years. This mythological Chinese creature has the body of a deer, the long and rapid tail of an ox, the same hooves as a horse, some Sometimes it has two horns, but often only one, which can be 12 feet long. And we're going to stop there for now. I hope you'll have a great and wonderful week, and I will see you next week. I hope, and uh, hope y'all enjoyed this podcast. Okie dokie, artichoke, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back.
I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okie dokie, Artichokey. Ah, break it's now. I hope you all like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Over and out.